0: We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, do it again. Do it again. I want Lord to do it again. Do it again. If I haven't met you, my name is Emma. I'm super excited that you're here. If you don't have a neighbor, that's on you. Start sitting next to people. Don't be afraid, okay? Sorry about your luck. Move closer. Um, you all can move in the front all the way down so I can see your faces. That would be even better. Listen, I'm so grateful and so honored that you would take time out of your week to be with us here this morning. So whether somebody bribed you with food, make them pay up, okay? make them take you to lunch, or or whether you just stumbled in here off the street, I'm so glad that you're here. And one of the things that we believe here at Hope Church is that God has a purpose for our past. I'm going to be sharing some of my past with you this morning, and I believe it's going to be powerful and effective for helping you find a better way. I hope that you understand that here at Hope Church, we believe in being honest. And sometimes our honesty is very difficult for people because we don't live in this little pretty Christian box. I do not believe that our faith is going to paint everything with unicorns and sunshine and roses. And my daughter told me yesterday morning at breakfast, just in case you need to know that baby unicorns make this noise. Ah, Y'all, I I can't make this stuff up. Have a three-year-old, it'll change your life. Baby unicorns cry like that. Did you know that? I just wanted to share that because that's the reality of my life. That's the reality of my Saturday breakfast with my kids. Listen, this morning, I want to tell you the truth um, because being honest with ourselves about the process and the reality of every day is extremely important to me because I don't believe that Christianity is just a way of life. And I don't believe that it magically erases everything that's negative in this world. So listen, this is not going to be a cut and dry sermon today. Because can we all be honest? There is no way that in 30 minutes I can solve all the problems. This is going to take some time. This is going to take some unpacking. So just know today I'm not going to give you all the answers. Because that's going to have to come in time. I think today I'm going to be able to help set us on the right path. But it's going to be uncomfortable for us because we're going to ask some uncomfortable questions this morning. So I want to ask you an uncomfortable question because there is no quick 30-minute fix for life. If you haven't figured that out and this is a revelation to you, you're probably a millennial or younger. (laughs) Because, listen, can we just be honest, millennials and younger... We have the attention span, and this is literally proven, of eight seconds. Do you know how long the attention span of a goldfish is? Nine. Nine. We have less of an attention span than a goldfish. I am so grateful that our congregation has many wise and older people because they actually pay attention to what I say when I preach. That's why I ask you guys to take notes. You know why? because we forget, because we don't have a great attention span and notes help us. So I'm going to start by asking us a question that pastors normally don't ask. This is not something you're going to see a lot of people asking, but it's important. Do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? Ouch. Do you ever feel like Christianity just isn't working? It's not a trick question. It's one that if you've started or reconnected your relationship with Jesus Christ, you've wondered about, especially when things in life don't quite go the way you think they should go. Or maybe you're still curious about Jesus and Christianity, and and you have asked this question because you want to know if there's actually any merit to living a Christian life. It's a good question to ask. It's a hard question to ask. Has anybody ever felt like Christianity isn't working for them? I have, I have, and maybe you've noticed um, And there's been a lot of these scenarios in the news lately where a Christian leader, one who's dedicated their lives to God, one who preaches the gospel every Sunday, people who have put in the time and effort, have a family, invest in their family, are doing a good work of God, and they contract COVID and they pass away. Where is Christianity when that happens? This person is doing everything they know to do. Everything right, it seems. Where is Christianity working when somebody dedicates their whole life to the Lord and now they fight this painful fight and lose this battle, leaving their family and their congregation trying to figure out what to do next? Or or maybe it makes you wonder about a teenager. Maybe some of you are these teenagers who have loved God their entire life. Maybe four years old, said yes to Jesus been going to VBS, your mama took you to vacation Bible school. I love me some vacation Bible school. That's fun, right? In the summertime, hanging out, doing all kinds of fun activities, learning about Jesus. Love it. They go to that, go to to kids' church every Sunday, grow up in the church, go to youth group all the time, go on all the missions trip, all of it. Go to college. Find the right person save themselves for marriage, wait, get married, and can't get pregnant. Did everything right, waited, was faithful to what God said, didn't do anything outside of the context of marriage and don't get to have a family, the thing they've dreamed of? Does Christianity work? Is it working for them? Maybe you felt like that. What about your life? Maybe you've made some serious changes and you've said yes to Jesus and you've even, like, your pastor asked you to download the YouVersion Bible app and you and I are now friends and we're doing, like, reading plans and we're hanging out in the Bible app. And maybe you've even, like, read so much of the Bible that you've got, like, the streak going. You know what a streak is in Bible app? That means you've read every day. Come on, I love my streak. I'm all about my streak. Don't mess up that streak. Don't mess up my street. Or maybe you've gotten like a highlight badge. Oh, you're cooking with gas now. You got the highlight badge. You know what badge I earned this week? The share badge. Because I got this person that keeps sending me, y'all have these people. I know you have these people. We became friends. And this person sends me a message of the most random, stupidest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Like stuff that I don't even follow. Like here's what Taurus means. And I'm like, I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need Taurus. Ford Taurus? I'll take a Ford Taurus. No. And they sent me this. So you know what I started doing? Every time they send me garbage, I send them back a scripture. Every single time. And it, it might just be the most random scripture in my reading plan ever, but I'll send it to them. You know what they said? Thank you. I said, thank you. But I got a badge for it, Okay. I got a badge for it. I am like, ping, ping. If, look, if I could get my jean jacket with all the pins that I've earned from Bible app, that's what they all do. They all just send you a daggone pin so I could be up here blinging in my Bible app bling. Maybe you are even so faithful that you've attended church twice a month. If you get three times out of a month, I'm so proud of you. Maybe you don't miss a Sunday. And maybe you've even stopped several addictive behaviors and you're just on the right path, and you feel like the way you're living should give you something tangible, right? I mean, you're doing the dang thing. You're doing it. But every time you try to do something right, everything still seems to go wrong. You get overlooked for a promotion. You lose somebody you love to COVID or heart failure or something else or you can't get pregnant, or you've dated so many people that always end up being a disappointment. Or you get catfished, and you show up for the date, and that dude does not look like that picture. Not even close to six foot. Brother pushing five foot one. And you're wondering, what happened to you, sir, that you shrunk? in the month since we started swiping right. Everything in your house begins to break or fall apart. Can I get an amen, Alfie Adams? (laughs) Bro, if it can go wrong in our house, it has. And, And home ownership is beautiful, isn't it? And the same year, your heater can go down and your water heater can blow up. And then all of a sudden, your water pump goes up. And then your kids break their shower in their bathroom. And I, this is not, I'm not even making this up. Y'all come to my house. It's a hot, hot, hot mess. A hot, hot mess. And you think to yourself, why? I am doing all the things right. I am checking all the boxes. Does Christianity even work because nothing is going the way I thought it would. And the truth is that if you've ever wondered, is there a better way, I'm here to tell you there is. There is absolutely a better way. And this is the truth we're going to look in today. And this will not instantly solve all your problems. However, I believe it will lay a foundation for a better way for you to live moving forward. Because all of us need a better way. Can we just agree we all need a better way? We're going to listen in on a conversation that Jesus had with his closest friends and disciples. And Jesus sat down and it was Passover. It was the Passover celebration. And um, he has gotten up and placed a towel around his waist and he has served with his whole entire heart, washing the feet of dirty men. Ew. That's hard for me, okay? I'm glad that I'm not always asked to do that because people's feet, they be gross. But Jesus did it anyway. And he even gets down and he predicts that even after he's washed their feet. Can you just picture this in your head? Even after he's washed their feet, he's like, all right, I got you. I got your feet. I'm going to wash your feet. And he goes, and by the way, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. You'll deny that you ever even knew me. And Judas, go do what Satan told you to do. And he tells them all of this. What a downer. Because let's be honest, the disciples had a view of what they thought Jesus was going to do. They had an idea that here he comes. He's the snake crushing, right, from, from Christmas. He's a snake crushing king who's going to come in and stomp out the Roman oppression that has got them down. And he's going to take his rule and reign and everybody's going to get loaves and everybody's going to get fishes. It's going to be lit. There's going to be new wine and all them psalms that David sang. They were flipping through the psalms and there's going to be new wine and grain and we're going to be set. It's going to be amazing. That's what they thought the way of Jesus was going to lead them to. And some, some might have thought, man, he's going to just overthrow the corrupt leadership in the temple because they all knew it was jacked up. And I bet they even got extra excited when Jesus went in the temple and he saw how the money changers and the priests were conspiring against the people. And when the people would come in with a decent goat, they would say, no, your goat isn't good enough. But here, buy this goat at twice the price and we'll take your goat too. And they were ripping people off, man, in the name of God. And I bet the disciples were like, now we're going to see what's up. Look at him, he flipped the table. It's about to go down. Get him. I bet they were up in there. Get him. They had a praise dance. They were like, get them, dudes. I'm sick of it. But Jesus washes the feet, tells them they're going to betray him, and tells them, I'm going to die. And they're like, can you flip the tables? What you talking about, you're going to die. can't die you got to do all the things that we think you are going to do but this is what he says to him he says do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me we sang this my father's house has many rooms if it were not so I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you will also be where I am. I love this verse. He says, you know the way to the place I am going. And can we all give it up for Thomas? Boy, Thomas, the disciple, always says what we are thinking. He's like, unless I see it, I ain't going to believe it. But Thomas says, Thomas says, Lord, what are you talking about? We don't know where you're going. So, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, this is why we can make the most outrageous claim as Christians that Jesus is the way, the only way. This validates our claim that you can't run to Buddha, you can't run to Muhammad, ain't no way, ain't no how, ain't nothing else gonna get you to the Father but Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus told us. He said it and then he proved it. I'm gonna get off that sidetrack for a second because I'm about to preach on that. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. So we can't run around saying everything. I'm going to go back to it because I'm serious now. We can't run around saying, oh, no, that's good. You go ahead and believe that. No, that's okay. I'm going to prove your lifestyle because that's fine. You go do you, boo. No, you cannot go do you, boo. Because you're going to end up in hell and you're not going to be in the Father's house. Stop running around giving people permission to walk away from the one one person and the one thing that can redeem and save and heal and deliver a sick, sad soul. Man, tell them there is one way. Now, here's the truth. I'm going to get back on track, okay? The way we say something and the way we do something matters, right? Because I can shut the door or I can shut the door, right? I can say, you're a bad banana or I can say, you're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Right? Or I can say, I'm sorry, I love you. Or I can say, I'm sorry, I love you. Same thing with a comma in the middle. Right? Or I can say, bless your heart. I can say, bless your heart. Bless your heart. And if I say, bless your heart, it's not really nice. It's not really nice. It, I mean it with all the southern gentility that I can muster. Bless your heart. What we do and the way we do it matters, right? The way. When we think of the way, the truth, and the life, we tend to focus on the truth Man's preachers, we love to talk about the truth, and the truth will set you free, and you'll be free indeed. Yes, that's facts. That's so true. We love to focus on the truth, but we rarely talk about the way. We rarely talk about the way Jesus lived. Jesus is, yes, the only way to the Father. And that's the truth we should absolutely preach. But I also believe that living the way that Jesus lived is a reflection of the truth that Jesus taught. How many of you are sick and tired of meeting somebody who says, yes, I'm a Christian, and they turn around and cuss somebody out and treat somebody ignorant? Huh? I'm sorry, what did you post on your Facebook about that neighbor? Are you serious? Right, because the way matters. I want you to realize that there is a way today. There is a way. And we often talk about the truth of what he said, but we overlook the way that he lived and the way that Jesus lived and the way he did things mattered. He didn't just say one thing and do another. No, he lived and said and did and walked in a way that is important. Here's something interesting. It's a little pop quiz for you guys. Ready for a pop quiz? say pop quiz. I'm going to give you the book of the Bible and you're going to have to answer this question. According to the book of Acts, first century Christians were called something other than Christians. All right, so there's your hint. It's not Christians. Because Christians mean little Christs, little Jesuses running around. Not little unicorns going, ah, right? But little Jesuses, right? But In the early church, these spirit-filled, devil-crushing, healing, self-sacrificing, generous, world-changing hope dealers were called something else. Do you know what they were called? Come on, that's right. They were called the people of the way. They were called this so much so that the rulers and the leaders of the Roman Empire would say, what is it about this way? What is the way? Right? But the people of the way wasn't about right theology. It wasn't about saying all the right things or the right church model because the early church was messy, messy. And it wasn't even about strong morals or upright ethics. It was to live and love the way Jesus did. It was to live and love the way Jesus did modeled in his life. This is the way. When you look at the truth he taught and the way he lived, you you will notice that they were congruent. When Jesus said to love your enemy and to pray for those who misuse you, he would literally interact with people who were spitting in his face and cursing him behind his back. And he would politely refute them, but in love. He never repaid evil with evil. As a matter of fact, Jesus interacted with people and it resulted in joy. You and I, we interact with people and it will result in stress and anxiety and anger and fear and bitterness. But Jesus interacted in a different way with people. Jesus didn't rush From one place to another, he stopped and spent time with people. And y'all won't even answer your phone because it's weird to talk on the phone. I'm just saying. Jesus invested in relationships. And most of all, he invested in his intimacy with the Father. He would get up early And he would stay up late, all for the sake of minutes alone with the Father. That was the way he lived. That was the way he loved. Now think about your life for a minute. Think about the way you live. Listen, this is convicting to me, okay? I'm going to just be real. Me writing this was hard. Because I started to look at the way I spend my time and I thought, Oh, crumb, I'm in trouble. Because I don't like to talk on the phone. I prefer text. I don't like to sit down and take long conversations and long meals. Maybe I need a different way. Listen, do you have margin for conversation with people in your life? Uh, Do you invest in people? Do you spend time with God really, really trying to get to know him? Those are hard questions. But can you imagine for just one moment that Jesus acted like you and I? I can just picture it for just a minute. He's walking. He's like, man, Peter looks so fit. I could just pump some iron. I could look like Peter. More people would come, and I could just heal them and flex and heal. What if Jesus was like, Man, if I could just have those new Yeezy sandals, I would be the dopest rabbi out here. Right? I could be walking on water like, let's go. Rock with it, lean with it. I got this. Can you see Jesus doing that? Or maybe he's like, pull out his phone. He's like, man, JTB, John the Baptist. He got more followers than me. If I could flex like Peter, if I could get Judas to manage my platform better, I could have more followers than John the Baptist. Imagine if he acted like us. What if he said, oh, do I have to do everything for these people? Oh God, bless this fish and bread. Here, magic. I did it again. And I get frustrated when I have to make another meal for my kids. And I microwave them chicken nuggets. I'm like, oh my (sighs) gosh, Here. Right? I can't even like get upset because I'm like fussing over making another meal for my family and all I got to do is microwave the business. Come on, somebody. What if Jesus acted like me? What if Jesus acted like you? But that's not the way that Jesus was, was it? No, Jesus was focused on the ministry and the mission he had. He was slow and intentional and relational. And you might be thinking, yeah, but he's Jesus and I'm not Jesus. Boo! Do you not know that the power of God manifests itself in you? I'm to talk about manifest. I'm going to manifest my destiny. You better manifest the Holy Spirit. You better pray and ask God to fill you to the uttermost. Because the power of God lives in you. Don't tell me you can't do it because Jesus said, you will do greater things than I will. Greater. What's greater than raising somebody from the dead? Maybe what's greater than that is you actually doing life with them in a way that gives them life, that actually resurrects their soul. Come on. We all try to live our lives our way, though, right? I try to do it my way. Hustle harder. Work more. Do more. Take on another task. Grab that side hustle. Flex harder. uh? Uh, 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 I'm going to get it, I'm going to go to the gym I'm going to do more, I'm going to sleep less Work out more But buy different clothes I'm going to change my look, I'm going to cut my hair I'm going to grow it out, I'm going to dye it I'm going to have more kids, I'm going to build bigger We're going to be bigger, better, better Right? That's the way we live Especially Americans My God people, just get out of the country For a minute Take five minutes and go somewhere else And this is what the warning in the Bible is all about in Proverbs. Proverbs warns us this way. It says, there is a way that appears to be right. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Listen, I'm going to share a truth with you about my, from my life. Uh, I had walked away from God. I had a really bad church experience. Really bad, like I mean bad. Um, It's not even worth talking about because it's over, but it left me wrecked. but I came back. I was like, I'm I'm going to do this again. I'm going to give my life back to Christ. I'm going to renew my commitment to Jesus, and I did it. Uh, I started attending church again, and my family came with me. I had a kid at the time, had a two-year-old son, Kian. Kian went from singing Lady Gaga to um, Hillsong (laughs) in a year. Um, Because my life changed. And I was doing all the right things, man. I was like, this is my calling. I'm going to find my calling. I started attending university. I began interning at Laura Wesleyan Church. I felt God call me to start a ministry called Mops Ministry, Mothers of Preschoolers. Look, I don't like typically hanging with other mothers. But yo, God said... Do this. So I'm doing the dang thing, right? I fight for the ministry. I get it launched. Things are going the way I think they should. And we get pregnant. We're going to have another baby. I've been waiting. Look, we waited nine years before we had our first kid, okay? So this is a big deal. Big deal. I tell our pastor, I tell our friends, I tell our church, and I tell my son, you're going to be a big brother, dude. I had a card for him, a Star Wars card that said, the force is with us. We have a baby. And I thought, this is is right because I'm doing the right things. Until I started bleeding. And I thought, well, that's not typical for me. And I went to the hospital and they confirmed that there was no heartbeat and there was not going to be a baby. And the appointment at my doctor, the nurse treated me so rude. And she said, well, I need proof that you were pregnant in the first place. And I said, you're about to get some proof because I was struggling. Luckily, the doctor caught her before I did. Um, And I remember going back with a doctor, Alfie and I had to wait a little bit, and we went back with the doctor, and I remember him looking at my chart, and he said, Ma'am, it's your birthday? And I said, Yeah, today's my birthday. And he said, That sucks. And I said, Yes, sir, it does. You see, I thought I was living the right way, and I thought that would result in tangible things. And it messed me up for a minute. I'm not going to lie. That messed me up. Come on, Jesus. This Christianity thing should work. I'm doing all the right things. This shouldn't happen to us. It was awful. And I remember even more complicated than that, I had gone to my mom and dad's house. I took a walk in the woods with my dad, like trying to process, trying to like get through like what's happening. I remember going home through the little town of Blades and I got pulled over for speeding. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. And I remember saying some expletives in my car. I'm not even going to lie to you right now. I'm just going to be real. We're real friends here. We're real. We trust people, right? I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Only I said, beep, 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 in between. (laughs) Because I was doing all the right things. Have you been there? Do you feel that frustration in your life right now? Jesus has an invitation for us. And I want you to hear this invitation as he taught the crowds after he had performed miracles in many towns over. He confirms that he is the way to the Father and then he issues this invitation. He says this, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and I and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, early on in uh, the Israelites and Hebrew faith they would refer to the Torah as a yoke and how you interpret it would be how you carried the, the yoke. Jesus' the invitation here is to take my yoke. So I'm going to explain yoke because my kid was like, Mama, don't you mean like yoke? Like, shouldn't you have a picture of an egg on the screen? And I'm like, no, bro. Not that kind of party. This is a yoke. So this is a, a, a tool used by farmers. And one ox goes in this hole. And one goes in that hole. And around their necks. And they pull. They pull the work together and it makes it easier and it lightens their load. And, and what Jesus is offering us by saying, take my yoke on you, is he's saying, my way of living out the Torah is living it out beside you, with you, side by side, working shoulder to shoulder with you. He is offering to steer us And lead us, but not as a farmer would, not as the Pharisees and the Sadducees would interpret the yoke. No, no whips, no lashes, no yelling, no nose ring pulling, no prodding, no shocking, no conjoling. But as a partner walking beside you, together carrying the yoke. Because the yoke of the Pharisees was a heavy, one-sided awkward one where you would be trying to drag the the right side of the yoke. Like, whoa, I can't even lift my head up. They would be buried under the weight. And the way they taught the Torah and the way they placed that yoke on others had people hustling for God's grace and mercy. People had to hustle. It would make them work harder, give more than they had. It would make them do uh, one thing, after one thing, after one thing, and they would never lift a hand to help people accomplish it. Never once. In fact, when they were burdened um, with carrying the weight of their sins into the temple, the priest would tell them that their sacrifice wasn't good enough. That's what ticked Jesus off in the first place, right? But Jesus says, wait, there's another way. Listen, can I tell you the truth? When I'm exhausted, I don't want a yoke. I don't want to carry a yoke. Not, not with anybody. I want a bath. I want a steak. I want some chocolates. I want my chair. And I want a massage. And I want a facial. I want my nails Did Right? I don't want a yoke. I don't want it. because I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Can we just be real? But Jesus says, it's not like that with me. I'm not going to be joined to your schedule. You're not going to be joined to another religion. You're not going to be joined to just a belief, but you're going to be joined to a belief that leads you to life change. You're going to be yoked to a change that draws you to live the way that Jesus lived. So how did Jesus live? He spent time investing in his relationship with God. Stop making excuses for the reasons why you are not reading your Bible and praying, please. Don't make excuses. Do the darn thing. Make the time, because sure enough, you have time to look at Facebook, Sure enough, you'd be scrolling through Instagram. And can I tell you, I know I lost an hour of my life yesterday to TikTok. And some of you know because I sent some to you. Because they were funny. But there's a better way. You see, Jesus will be found studying the Torah so much that he could quote it by heart. Come on. Jesus was in the synagogue every time the doors were open. Why can't you get to church? Can I, I'm going to be in your business today. Oh, you can't get to church, but Jesus can be at synagogue every time. Knowing daggone well that every time he went in synagogue, they were actually plotting to kill him. Oh, but you're going to be offended because the greeter didn't smile at the door. Okay, tell me how that works. I heard a lady say yesterday, she said, what if you stopped walking into church wondering what you can get out of it and started looking at church and what you can put into it, into the kingdom Stop looking at what what can I get. Start looking at what can I give. Jesus went to church. He stayed up uh, late. He woke up early not to do more work, but to slow down. Slow down and spend more time with the Father. Man, he had long meals with people. And I'm going to be honest, for real, for real, I would love to sit down and have long meals with y'all. Invite me. I'll pay. Like I, not maybe not every time, but I'm just saying, I'll pay for myself. That's fair. I'll pay for me. I ain't gonna pay for you though. We talked about how that had affected my life last week. Remember that? We don't do that anymore. Mm-mm. But Jesus sat down and he even ate with those who opposed his viewpoints. He ate with a Democrat and a Republican and a Libertarian and the Green Party. Maybe not for real, for real, but you know what I'm saying. And he didn't have to mouth off about it either. He sat down with people he loved and he sat down with people who hated him. But he laid back and he took it all in, the food and the table and the drink and the laughter. He took his time to really know people and to share his life with them. And when John's disciples asked Jesus about his life, they said, where are you staying you know what he said? Come and see. He invited the disciples into his home, into his work, into his life. He had deep conversations and he actually listened to what people said. He took time to learn about people. Even though, catch this, Jesus knew what was in their hearts. It tells us several times in the scriptures that Jesus knew what was in their hearts. But you know what? He asked questions he already knew the answer to just so he could hear them tell it. And you're already formulating your answers to the person's questions in front of you. Ouch. Because it's not just the truth of Jesus, that he is God come down, that he died on the cross to pay for our debt of sin, and that he rose victorious. But it's the way he lived. Three years in ministry. And we have a whole lifetime to learn how to live the way he lived. Can I tell you that um, before uh, I started implementing this in my life, uh, due due in part to a a fabulous work by a guy named Peter Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, I was working for a different organization and um, I was crushing it in ministry. I uh, was uh, up early, prayed Bible at the gym that was an hour from my house. I drove an hour and 20 minutes to work, busting it at the gym, uh, climbing, get out of the gym, go to work, work eight, nine, 10-hour days, busting my butt in ministry at the church, doing all kinds of things. Um, And I was pregnant at the time. Yes, I went to the gym when I was pregnant. And yes, I did all this when I was pregnant. You can ask my friends. I would get up on a stage and preach. We had two experiences on a Sunday. And I would also lead worship. So I would lead worship and preach sometimes. And then when I had the baby, after I had the baby, I would literally go into the nursery, nurse the baby, come out and preach, go back in the nursery, nurse the baby, come out, preach again, go back in the nursery, nurse the baby, get her ready. All three of my kids, yes, up at 4 30 in the morning. And then I would have to close out, do metrics, do the offering, close out the whole church. And I was the last one out. Every single Sunday, hustling. I was so tired I would fall asleep on the way home from church because I couldn't help it. And I was going and running constantly. And can I tell you that the way I was doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. I'm going to say that again. The way I had been doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. As a matter of fact, I will never forget one time in youth ministry, and this kid is in the house today. Uh, This kid said to me, he said, man, you look miserable. We don't even have fun anymore. I was a youth pastor. We're supposed to have fun. That's like M.O., right? And I was like, oh, crap, this kid's right. I had to switch some things up. Maybe you can relate this morning. Maybe the way you're living your life is causing you to rush into becoming somebody that you don't even like. I want you to sit in this frustration with me. You feel it? you rushing around trying to be somebody that you don't even like. Who are you becoming? And are you sick of it? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take this course and look at the way that most of us lived. And most of us live in this rushed, stressed, overwhelmed, always busy, going, going, going way of life. But we're going to learn the unhurried rhythms of grace. And then after that, we know that Christians often come into temptation and and we can feel far from God and dry spiritually or dull. And we're going to learn about the unbroken fellowship with the Father. Man, if you're tired of the grind and you're tired of the stress and you're tired of being miserable and being afraid and angry and anxious um, and, and too many problems to solve and too much weight to carry and too much pain to bear, I want to tell you that there is a better way. And it's the way of Jesus. Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Can I tell you that there may come a time where he will make you lie down? It's not a bad thing. This past two weeks, I've been made to lie down because our family got sick again and had to isolate and quarantine and all that and I was made to stop, and I needed to stop. When the Lord is your shepherd, you're not commanded to run harder or do more or rush from person to person and place to place. You're to live in an anxious, free, frenetic, free pace, and you're told to lie down and slow down, and to take in quiet waters that he has led you to. The way we are doing the work of God can absolutely destroy the work of God in us. One of the things that we do here at Hope Church is that as a staff, I will literally ask my team several times and at least once a week. What are you doing to have fun? Are you taking your Sabbath? Sabbath. Are you taking a day of rest? How did you find time to play and rest this week? Because it's important. So your assignment today is come to Jesus. Just come. Come with the frustration of the way that you're living and you will find rest for your soul. If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I've never heard anybody tell me about Jesus this way. I'm here to tell you that today could be the best day of your life. Today could be the day that you say yes to Jesus and you come to him and you can begin to discover a new way. Would you guys just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And for those of you who are on a podcast, if you're driving your car, do not do that. Don't do that. But listen, settle your heart in and just ask. Ask Jesus to come and be a part of your life, to to come and do work alongside you so that you can learn a new way. I want you to say yes to Jesus. If that's you this morning and you're saying, that's me, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Just say, Jesus, today I say yes. I say yes to you. If that's you, you can really easily, with your, with your eyes down, <laughs> you can find your phone and you can easily snap the QR code on the screen and say, that's me. And we're going to follow up with you via text. Or if you're listening some, some other way, you can, you can text, that's me to 94000 any day, any time. And we'll, we'll follow up with you. We want to hear from you. We want to touch base with you. Maybe for you this morning, this message resonates with you because you need a different way. Maybe the way you've been living your life has left you wrecked and you're, you're just living with anxious fear all the time. I want to promise you that that is not the way. And that is not the way Jesus would have you live your life. There is a better way. If that's you, you today and you need a better way, can you just raise your hand for me? If this is speaking to you this morning, this message you feel like was meant for you and that's you, You need a better way. That's awesome. I'm going to pray with you right now. God, we need a better way today. We need a way that is easy and a burden that is light. Would you help us to find that better way? We will give you all the praise and glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday, 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware, at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's Hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening.